0: Not at all. You
1: get
0: to your all right. Acts chapter 9. We have made it to the conversion of Paul. Um, gone a long ways through here. Oh, one interesting thing I was going to mention. And this is just something fun for for me. But uh, Acts chapter 8. Remember we were talking about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. That was just last week. And this interesting, you know, he's from this place uh, down, a, he's an Ethiopian. I was doing my studies for Zephaniah, which is coming up this Sunday. And flip, if you want to with me, not if you want to, do it. Flip <laughs> to Zephaniah. So if you go to Matthew, then keep going left. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So it'll be Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah And <clears throat> will be your way back to it. And Zephaniah. Is like,
2: give me a page <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Give Dennis the page number.
0: 1735. If you have an ESV study Bible. Let's see. Oh, now that I'm lost. Teeny boring. tiny book. It's hard to find. Oh, five pages. I <laughs> know. Just. No, I can't find I'm it. Like but I've s- what are you looking for? Cush. It's going to say the, the word. Cush. Cush. No, that's not, that's the bad cush, but. What do you for?
1: No? Specific passage.
0: Yeah, specific passage. Oh, there uh, we go. Chapter 3, verse 10. 3 9. This is, we'll we'll get into this more on Sunday mornings in sermon time, but. uh, this this Zephaniah is this interesting book of you know condemnation and judgment coming to Israel, Jerusalem, Judah, God's people, and then there's this kind of promise that comes at the end. And and Zephaniah way prophecy works is it's got a a, 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 a Current or, or soon, hey Corby. Hi. A soon fulfillment and a and a long term fulfillment, kind of seeing both of those at the same time, but he sees something going on with Judah, but he also sees something that's going to be happen more in the future. And and three nine says, for at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. We have the record of Acts chapter 2 where they begin speaking in other languages and people hear it in the same language, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord from beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. Ethiopia is this land of Cush. And so in a very cool, I mean, to me, I was like, when I heard it, I was listening to the audio Bible today just trying to think on it and when I heard that from beyond the rivers of Cush my worshippers the daughters of my dispersed ones shall bring my offering it just I immediately thought this is the Ethiopian eunuch this is this guy coming from beyond the land of Cush bringing that Zephaniah's prophecy being fulfilled in Acts chapter 8 I just, I don't know, I was, I'm was, i like, whoa. That's, I, I was really excited about it when I saw that. So I thought, we didn't go there last week when we were talking about the Ethiopian eunuch, but likely, I mean, if, if Luke would have known his Bible better than me and all the rest of us, which he, brought, he would have, that he would have likely maybe even known of this story. One of the reasons why to include the Ethiopian eunuch is its fulfillment of prophecy from Clerbach and Zephaniah, which is pretty wicked cool in my opinion. Anyway, Acts chapter 9, that's where we are. I'll say a prayer and we can read um, all verses 1 through 9 at least. I'll say a prayer, and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here tonight, God, and sit under the counsel of your word. We pray that you would um, by a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to see you clearly. Open our ears to hear the truth about who you are and what you have done for us in Christ. That our hearts would be filled with the joy of the gospel. So do your work, God, we, we humbly ask. This is not about us gathering a bunch of fancy head knowledge or somehow through our own effort earning a, a closer place with you, God. This is us humbling ourselves before you and asking that you would teach us, that you would help us to see you for who you are, that we might um, rejoice in who you are. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. We'll read it. Think along the way. I've got some notes that we can talk about, but obviously if there's things you are interested in and have questions about, we want to make sure that you get time to ask them, so jot a note down if you have a que- certain question you have, and we'll go from there. Someone can read, we can take turns, whatever. Acts 9, 1-9. through 9.
1: But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any
0: belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him
1: into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him, called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and ask for a man from Towards a named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name... Before the Gentiles and their kings And before the people of Israel I will show him how much He must suffer for my name Then and then, I
2: was going to go But then I felt like I was going to sneeze yep. <laughs> uh, And I have my children's Bible again I know there's something I keep forgetting when I come to the choir. Uh Ananias left and went into the house Where Saul was staying Ananias placed his hands on him and said Saul the Lord Jesus has sent me He is the same one who appeared to you along the road. He wants you to be able to see and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, something like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see. He got up and was baptized. Then he ate and felt much better. <laughs> Such a
0: kid version. He <laughs> ate and <laughs> felt, <laughs> better. <laughs> he <laughs> felt better. He felt well, better. I've never heard it say fish scales. It, it says scales fell from his eyes, but Maybe I never that's
2: so the kids know. heard fish, fish scales. scales. Like weights and measures or something.
0: <laughs> Yeah, he, that, would, that would have been a great translation. It would say, "His tummy hurt. He had some food and felt he better." He went to bed. Was okay. He went to bed. Let someone time. else take over. <laughs> after this, well, we can we can we can stop oh, there. We'll stop it? there. Oh, that was nineteen. Okay, that was stop. Tummy tell the...
1: hurt. Did you go potty? <laughs> <laughs> I know your body,
2: man. Go in there or you stay there.
1: Like, you uh, everybody says that soul. to their kids, right?
0: <laughs> so this is the conversion of Saul. Saul, we have encountered in chapter seven, right? We have, you can flip back there, um, at the end of chapter 7, this is the um, murder of Stephen, the first martyr, actually I guess the first verse of chapter 8, I'm not sure where that falls in there, and Saul approved of his execution. So Saul is here when Stephen is martyred, approving of the execution, they lay this coats at his feet. Um, Oh yeah, that's verse 58 of chapter 7. Witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul approved of his execution, but that isn't enough for Saul. He now still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord that breathing threats uh, it's an interesting term but it's, when they say breathing it's not just that he's breathing out but it's this idea that the very air that he breathes is hatred of these followers of the way he's breathing air he's breathing threats and murder like a fish drinks water I mean he's just breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord whence the high priest asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so he got any belonging to the way, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So this guy Saul of Tarsus is like enemy number 1 of Christians. He wants to get them arrested. He wants to bring them bound to Jerusalem and he's breathing threats and not just threats but also murder against the disciples of the Lord. He really hates these Christians. And something happens. Um Why does he hate him so much? He's just an angry guy. He's he's a devout Pharisee. He believes in the one true God and he thinks that Jesus was an aberration at this point or he was a false prophet. Um, And so he was going around basically asking, do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? I mean they they saw this sect of Judaism Christianity followers of the way as a uh, departure from from Judaism which it is a separate I mean now we clearly see Christianity as different than Judaism but Christianity has a ton of its roots in Judaism Jesus was a Jew and so with Jesus is actually the the Jewish faith as it's in its pure form from the Old Testament he is the Messiah that they've been looking for and that they are looking for. So when they start declaring to Jews, Jesus is this Messiah, they don't want to hear it. And they, they, they know that it is a threat to their way of life. Jesus was for the tearing down of the temple, um, which he was really talking about his own body, but really the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament law in Christ and the way of grace. So they didn't like it. And so they were going to get them silenced, and and so Paul, Saul, excuse me, as a good Pharisee, which is a leading lawyer within the Jewish faith, is going to silence them, because we didn't want those rascally Christians to um, up <laughs> start up trouble, and continuing to convert people and and growing. So that's why he's mad. He wants them quiet. He wants them silenced. He wants them killed like Stephen. But God has something else in plan for Saul, which kind of is. Did you go to the gym? <laughs> to there, to what is Joel doing? He's just watching film under, under the door. The
2: door. Oh, where I? I, just I didn't even notice that he was behind there. He should know. Okay, I'll just do my
0: mom voice. <laughs> I was just got, <laughs> got ready. Are, did the belt. girls? Did the girls <laughs> make it, yeah. Brian? Yeah, they're in there. Oh they're my made. gosh, those poor girls. do
1: this. Obviously, they're not.
2: Or they have no maybe control. Maybe the
1: they're awful quiet. <laughs> they they're very quiet. Quiet. They you quiet. They're the ones when they see my children running through the halls of
2: the class, like in the high school. They just like smile and give you right. like, no, you don't. Yeah. No, you, could, you could totally intimidate them if you would just <laughs> yeah. give them a dirty look.
0: No, too quiet. <laughs> yes. The first, uh, the first thing that I, I kind of want to think about is just the reality that if, if Saul. Becomes Paul through this conversion experience. Saul, we know, writes over half of the New Testament letters, really only about a third of the content of the New Testament. But if this guy, who is a murderer breathing threats against Christians, can become the leading force for the salvation of the Gentiles, really the main point of that, one of the main points is that no one is beyond the reach of God's grace, no one's too far gone. For God to reach them. And that's just... I mean, there's a certain humility that should always come with the Christian faith. In that there there's no one beyond the reach of God's grace. No one's too far gone that God can't get to them. Not the toughest sinner. I mean, so the, the reason why I bring that up is... That we all have categories of people that we think... That's probably not going to happen for that person. I mean, and we wouldn't admit it because we're nice you know, people... But deep down, there is a sense in which you look at so-and-so and you think, uh, you know, I, that person's pretty far gone. Either they're too great of a sinner, or you might think uh, they're too atheistic, they, they've hated God for too long, or they have some other religion that they're uh, deeply committed to. But Paul was a, out murdering, calling for murder of people. He was a devout Jew. He was totally following a different religion, and yet, God is able to rescue Saul. And so, there's no sinner. There's nowhere out there that you can look that you can find someone, you know, that that's beyond the reach of God. There's a sense in which we should have our eyes open to the reality that every person that you walk across in the course of your day is is not too far away for God to impact their life, for God to reach them. The second thing is that, and I think it needs to hit home. This also means that there's no way you're too far that God can't reach you. And I only say that because sometimes in the back of our heads there is this, um, okay, well, God, but I really know me, <laughs> and I, you know, and I know all the ways that I continue to mess up, and I know my own. Um, you know, fakeness that I put out there and God, you know, there's a sense in which this needs to hit home with each one of us that, yes, if you're honest, you have to admit you do mess things up. You are a sinner. There are parts of you that are still in rebellion and you should be warring against them and you're failing at warring against them many times. And that doesn't mean it's okay. I'm not giving permission for sin to happen, but at the same time, there needs to be this undergirding um, foundation of no one's too far for God's grace to reach them. If He can rescue Saul, He can rescue you. This just reminds me of a conversation
2: I had with my sister in law. We went for a long walk, and she's been struggling with some issues, and I have been too. And it's just like this over, like, overwhelming guilt that, mm. oh, like, how do I move past this? I know what I should do and stuff like that. But yeah. she was sharing, she read a verse that, you know, this guilt that you're feeling or whatever, like, God gave it to you for a reason. It may not be, it may not be, like, towards the sin size, but it, it's that reminder that stay along my path. Like, just put your faith in me, and I can't remember who she read that from, but it's like, it, he keeps just coming, like, Remind me that, okay, I am here. I'm not gone, mm-hmm. even though I still feel like I'm like the
0: worst person on earth right Oh, sure, now. yeah. Guilt is an interesting... Th- I mean, yeah, because partially guilt is a sign that you still have a conscience. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, to, to <laughs> that, to that yeah. end... That you care about... That you care sins. that yeah. you've done something wrong. I mean, guilt is... I mean, there's a, there is a good side of it. It makes us aware of our sin, and it does at the same time... It, it shouldn't crush us if we're Christians. we I mean, we need to hear absolution. We need to hear the gospel declared to ourselves again and again that your sin, repented of, has been washed away through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you bear that guilt no more. Um, now we still... Mm-hmm. And, and the thing, guilt's a weird thing, that you can feel delivered for years possibly and then for some reason the thought comes back i really wish i hadn't done that and all of a sudden guilt comes back on you and at that point it isn't well i guess i was too far gone you know Or maybe you know it, it is go to the gospel again remember the gospel again and it and there is there is a grace to god allowing that guilt feeling to be there because it does cause you to Humble yourself and lean on the grace of God for your forgiveness, as opposed to feeling like, "Man, I'm glad I'm not Saul. I'm glad I always nail it. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm glad. That, yeah. I don't I don't breathe I don't breathe threats and murder. So you know, but no, I mean, it's so. That's one of the things our culture, I mean, just really seems to fight against is is letting people have a clear view of themselves. And and maybe it's not the best way to put it, but you know, we try so hard to with our positive affirmations about, you know, what it's, you know, building ourselves up with kind of a lot of falsehoods. You know, oh, you're, you know. Everybody's the best at everything they ever do, you know. And it goes down to the sporting things, and I'm not. I'm not big into the sports.
1: The sports. We no the sports. <laughs> but, but
0: we could go to it even to to the musics. So, you know? I don't do. <laughs> the sporting. You know, you can't. You do uh, goes your Christmas. <laughs> there goes my Christmas. You know, every kid that gets to sit down on the piano isn't good at piano, yeah. and but we kind of live yeah. in a culture that has to say, wow. That was, you know, you're 15 so right. and that was twinkle, twinkle, little star. Is, uh, you probably should move, you know, maybe, you should, try, know,
2: keep maybe you should try There's it. There's no winners or losers. We all yes, do yes. Yeah.
0: But, you know, th- that really, uh, I understand why people are, are, are engaged in those things and whatever. But from a Christian worldview, it kind of undermines this reality of you need to be okay with saying, I have these limitations. Yes. I'm, a, I'm a sinner. Yeah. Yeah. I screw up um you know i am limited i i i am well can i say it i fail but failure is a horrible it's like a dirty word in our you know you know but when it comes to god's righteousness when it comes to god's law it's important to have a category like failure because ain't none of us in here that isn't a failure when it comes to that and if we don't see that then the gospel means nothing so you know that, yeah, I mean, no one's too far gone for Saul. and we should remember that, like you're saying, Brandy, and just hit me. Uh, you know, this that's something that I don't just need to know for my neighbor. That's something that I need to know for myself, that that God is in the business of saving people who are really messed up. <laughs> and that's good and news. So <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, and that
0: is good news. Not yeah. That is good news. Right. That is good news for all of us. Um, So what happens? This light comes on, if you guys are ready to move on, and falling to the ground, he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. It says his name twice there. We could go into lots of stuff about the... um, the double naming there. That happens at very interesting, strong times in scripture to say uh, Saul, Saul. It's an endearing but in- emphasizing way to, to, to talk to Saul. And Jesus says, We find out it later it's Jesus, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Questions you guys have on that before I fly into anything? What do you guys think
1: of that? <clears throat> I thought it was interesting he had, he, how he worded, Who are you, Lord? Mm-hmm.
2: Like, so he still knows that he's. See, that's noticeable. not printed in my Bible, but when you said that, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't stick with that. Why is he already calling him Lord when he doesn't know who he is? Like, Yeah. yeah. Might just says, "Who are you?" Yeah, who are you? <laughs> who are you?
0: I'd say that. If, uh, <laughs> well, a question. Mark, so What's that? Are you? You are. And, yeah. and we don't really know. I mean, yeah. so you could speculate into that that he's already having like some sort of conversion. But the other side of it I is know it's a him. bright light I know. Okay. has knocked shown up, knocked him down. <laughs> <laughs> him down. You're like. Hey Lord, what's might... up? Yeah. You know, you kind of have I'm a voice.
2: Guess it's him. <laughs>
0: well, or at least a voice of respect. Yeah. This is something that I need to. Figure it,
2: humble kind, I,
0: yes, yeah. I need to realize that I'm knocked off my horse by light.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, something real has just a showed little, up. A
2: little dizzy. Right and now. maybe
0: I should, uh, yes, call him Lord. Um, why does Jesus say Saul is persecuting him? He says me. Why are you persecuting me? Because it's his church.
2: Yeah, we're all part of the body of
0: Christ. We're all part. Good theology, guys. Oh, my I God. swear. I got That's not... <laughs> Even with your kids' Which Bible. I still have my kids' Bible, and it's just like, I I could bring that instead, but it probably wouldn't
2: be the same. It doesn't look this nice. Any, any
0: offense against against God's church is an offense against Christ. Any Any demeaning of the body of Christ is is in effect a demeaning of Christ himself, yes, we are his body, and we could go to paul 's talking there in, in Corinthians about us being the body, the hands, the feet, the eye, and that whenever whenever any part of the body is put down or um, demeaned it as though it's doing you 're doing it to Christ. Christ says in Matthew. 25 at the end of his Olivet Discourse, you know, he says, if you give a cup of water, truly, truly, uh, if you do it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. The least of these, my brothers, you have done it unto me. That Jesus identifies his, the brothers, the, the Christians that are his as him's very self. Him's very self. That was a good staten- statement. <laughs> As his own self. And um, That's how radical the idea of the church is. That Saul, in beating up Christians, is actually persecuting Christ himself. So that means that when you or I demean a fellow Christian brother or sister, we are, in a sense diminishing and demeaning christ when we and when we devalue um the gathering of believers when we devalue um fellowship when we devalue um a sunday morning gathering when we devalue these things and and put them down on the list saying these these are not the things that are important we demean the body we in effect are demeaning christ himself he does not take those things lightly it's very interesting. Which is also, there's a, the flip side of that is that um, you do not suffer alone when you are demeaned. And whenever you are diminished or whatever by someone else, Christ himself um, is, is in you with that. Um, the thing I think is interesting is that, and a guy I listened to, Kevin DeYoung, one of the things that he talked about was that every conversion involves an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so Paul doesn't show up, get hit by a light and say, I don't know what happened, something amazing. God's really changed my life and uh, I'm, just gonna, I'm just totally different now. And, and, and we call that a conversion. Um, no, th- this conversions involve Jesus Christ. And so the only reason why I bring that up is you, you'll hear lots of um, supernatural Encounters, supernatural stories. You'll hear stories about um, incredible life change. They came to God and their life was changed around. That's great if you can change your life around. But if it doesn't involve Jesus, it's probably not. And it's not real conversion. Jesus shows up. And that's how we know conversion is happening because Christ is involved. Every conversion is going to involve Christ not just the desire to be better um, so some people start starting up a church because they say well you know I want my my kids to be involved in a church and so it just seems like the right thing to do and so I'm going to get involved in church for my kids or uh, you know for the sake of my family you know, I'm going to keep the you know I'm going to show up uh, and it's it's noble and those things are you know it's it's a decent thing to do but if Christ isn't intimately involved with it it's not that's that's where conversion is happening thoughts on being knocked off his his horse or it's not his horse he doesn't say he's on a horse it's always said he's knocked off his horse in fact I say it all the time but there's no horse in the passage let see what
2: mine says. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine
0: doesn't say horse I think. I thought that it's almost like a contextual or kind of a cultural thing that Saul was knocked off his horse because we assume he was traveling on a horse, and possibly he was.
2: It just says he fell to the ground.
0: That's all my. He fell out of the ground.
2: Is that what y'all (laughs) said?
0: That's you're supposed to read your Bible closely folks and so we all put a horse in there and that's
2: I mean, traveling in, in that day assuming you're Look, probably on a horse or, a or
0: Well, that's a fine assumption. But if it ain't in here, we <laughs> can't uh, <laughs> it can't go on it.
2: I think that part of it
3: shows that when Jesus shows up everyone knows like you know yeah. that's Jesus because like even Saul who didn't believe in him Says, who are you, Lord? He knows that was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Even when Jesus um, casts out demons, they address him as Jesus. They address him as Lord. Even the most evil, you know, demons mm-hmm. from hell know who he is. Like mm-hmm. he, you're not gonna be questionable on whether he showed up or not. You know what I mean? Or like whether he was involved or
0: not. There's no doubt in there, in Saul's mind that yeah, yeah, this is legit. Yeah. <laughs> that, that 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 this guy's the the real deal. And uh, mine also has to do with the fact that scales appear upon his eyes and he cannot see um, for the brightness. But yeah, he he's not in any doubt that uh, this is this is the real deal. He gets up, goes to this house, Judas, not, not Judas from the Gospels. He's dead. Different Judas, common name. Um, they led him by hand to Damascus. He's three days without sight, neither eating nor drinking. I don't know if that's because, I don't know if he's gone religious and he's fasting or if he's just like, my head hurts so bad from this light. I can't eat or drink or anything. I think I'm dying. And so um, verse 10 shows up. God gives a, an incredible, incredibly descriptive vision to a man, Ananias. God calls out to him, here I am, Lord. That's a decent answer. And uh, he tells him to go to the street called Straight, very specific, at the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. He's praying. Has a, seen a vision, a man named Ananias. Come and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. And what does Ananias say? <laughs>
1: I, like, no, uh, I thought you'd oh, punish him. <laughs> it's like you this know,
2: this man has done a lot of terrible things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said.
0: <laughs> How much? Yes, he has done a lot to of terrible. your
2: ter- followers in Jerusalem. <laughs>
0: That's what he says. Yeah, I really exactly. not eat this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's prayer, uh, right? contemporary English back, C.E.V. So, yeah. It's not you know, it yeah, gets it gets you the main like gist it. of it. Uh Nina's translation is good too, NLT. It's got some good um, wording as well. But anyway, uh, yeah, no doubt he's like, what are you talking about? This dude is, I mean, this is not culturally relevant anymore, but this guy's Osama bin Laden. It's, it's relevant to all of us. This dude is enemy number one. Are you kidding me? He, you know, he masterminds the murder of all kinds of Christians, and you want me to go talk to him? I mean... It, I don't blame him. I mean, he's like, I don't want to do it. But God says, go. He's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So what does Ananias do? He goes. I thought it was
1: interesting he calls him brother. Yeah. When he first sees him, brother. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a tough thing to nail down when Paul's, when Saul Paul's actual conversion is happening here. Yeah. Does it happen right there on the road when he sees Jesus? Is it happening there in the three days of prayer? You know, is he going over his Old Testament, which he knows very well? Is he going over all of these things and and um, you know putting the pieces together? So Jesus really is alive. So he really did come back from the grave. You know, is he the, really this coming King of David? All the things he writes about in his epistles. You know we don't really know, but Ananias shows up, and I think when God shows up and tells him in a dream he's supposed to go talk to Ananias, he probably Grant figures out this guy must be legit. And so he, brother Saul, Jesus who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eye, or fish scales, fish scales. and he regained his <laughs> sight. He rose and was baptized credo baptism thank you very much Saul was uh, saved and then he goes and gets baptized but uh, uh, this isn't necessarily prescriptive in that you wouldn't say this is how every conversion experience is supposed to be so we can't take the story of Saul and say well I'll tell you what I'll believe in Jesus when he shows up in a light knocks me down to the ground and then I'll be get saved no it's not prescriptive
2: all the evil people. Like if God could just do that to people, maybe we would right. have a better world. You right, know right, right. And you just and you wake them up. Yeah, blind everyone. That yeah,
0: is. it's it's descriptive. This is happening. Um, and and one of the reasons why Luke is sharing this, and he shares it. If we continue on in the book of Acts, we'll see it again in chapter 22, and again in chapter 26, that uh, Paul uses it in his um, apology, his his defense against some of these kings of of recounting this is what happened to me and it's recorded because paul is an interesting apostle he's not one of the twelve that walked with jesus yet he's carrying this authority to come to the gentile nations and give them the the gospel and declare like galatians says if anyone comes to you and gives a gospel other than the one that i proclaim to you let them be anathema let them be damned and so paul has a lot of weight and so luke is including this many times so that we get the reality of 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 paul's saul's conversion because he's such an important figure in in the the life of the New Testament church. So Ananias goes, lays his hands on him, and uh, he is, you could say, changed. Saul is born again. Any questions, thoughts on what we've got there? Seems
3: like Saul was known, like Ananias... He had a reputation. Saul? You know, like, yeah, it wasn't just like a few people. Yeah, like he had a reputation. So then he himself has to go kind of get rid of that reputation because uh, everybody he goes to from now on is going to be like, oh, you were the guy that was killing people last Which
0: week. Which leads up yeah. perfectly. Let's yeah. finish verse 19 on down through 22. Someone can read that. For some days is where it starts. It's up in Corby's translation.
1: Saul spent several days with his disciples in Damascus At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God There's a turnaround All those who heard him were astonished and asked Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ.
0: By proving that Jesus was the Christ. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, and so, and we've got later on that um, they have to, there, verse 26 is kind of what you're talking about when he says, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him. (laughs) For they did not believe that he was a disciple, Barnabas. Uh, took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord and spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, the Greeks, and they were seeking to kill him. There's quite a turnaround. He goes from the one seeking to kill to becoming the one who was so radically changed by this message that he now is willing to be the one who is being sought. To be killed. That's that is quite. I mean, yes, he has a lot of work to do to prove himself, but um, it also gives him a very interesting ability to enter into the synagogues where he's the hero of the Pharisees, and then turn around and say, "Yeah, that message that I was so against. Well, <laughs> turns out Jesus really is the Christ, proving." That Jesus was the Christ. So probably
2: huge groups at a time.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Do you think
2: the people that were just so used to the before. <clears throat> he became one with the spirit. That they were so afraid that of him. That they would kill him. So if they didn't fall. The way he was saying now. I mean is that.
0: I, well Paul would have totally changed his message. I think they were just the people that yeah, the, the Christians are afraid cuz they think he's rogue. They think he's uh he's a narc or whatever. They think he's yeah. like going up to <laughs> infiltrate them. <about laughs> <him. laughs> he's under, he's gone seal 6 or whatever, you know. He's 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 going bl- under, underground to kind okay. of get in there, huh? different strategy. Yeah, he's going to yeah. get their names behind uh, the closed doors and really figure it all out so that they can turn him in and and then just basically prosecute him. So they got good reason to be afraid of him. They're afraid he's he's not really not really a disciple. He's just a you know a rogue agent. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. Yes, he's going to be converting. He's proving that Jesus was the Christ. Um, so the, I like that verse because um, sometimes. We, we work hard and I'm not saying it's wrong because I'm not I'm not anti feeling but Paul doesn't go around talking about this amazing personal experience that he had and that you should you should love the God that he loves because well this is what the God who I love did for me. And you, you hear a lot of evangelism happening that way, saying this is what God has done in my life. Once you come to God, he'll do this in your life too. Paul doesn't go down that road. And part of the reason why he doesn't is because everybody's got some sort of a remedy, they think. They'll, you know, they'll say, here's what essential oils has done for my life. Please come. And sorry, if you have essential oils, <laughs> please, please uh, come have essential oils. Or this is, what, this is what dandelion tea has done for my life. If you had just drink dandelion tea, it would really change your life. Or this is what um, 20 minutes of meditation in the morning has done for my life. This is what, you know, everyone's got a personal story. That's what, that's what uh, daytime talk shows run off of is somebody coming and saying, here's what this did for me. Paul, Saul doesn't come at him with this, um, with this, you know, here's my personal story. He's saying, listen, this is objectively who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done. He's proving that Jesus was the Christ. Yeah, and you get the difference there. Yeah, I mean, I just—that's an interesting distinction from our day. That um, a lot of this place is going wild. A lot of <laughs> it has. A lot of mega churches—they really market the experience, right? That you come in and you have a powerful worship experience. And I'm fine with having a powerful worship experience. I, I don't, if, if God moves you to tears or raising hands and all that kind of stuff and being loud, I, dance, I don't care. I, I'm fine with being expressive and having a, a powerful experience. But at the end of the day, your powerful experience is not what will convince someone of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> they, they need, they this gospel is to be spoken proving that Jesus was the Christ this one who comes to die as a substitute for our sins so that through repentance of our sins and faith in his work we could be forgiven of our sins justified in in God's sight so I, I, I just key in on that verse I guess when a person is converted to Christ it is a revolutionary event
1: Get me out of here!
2: Whenever <laughs> <Quite a person>.
1: I <laughs> I won. <laughs> <She's> like, yes. <laughs> Yay! He got Daddy. Daddy got me. He got me. Out. So the the
0: one of the you talk about. I mean, so we have a very syncretistic culture which is I'm going to add Jesus belief in Jesus to my life kind of thing but, but I don't really want to get rid of my sin I don't really want to change the things I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing I'm just going to kind of add going to church or I'm going to add a little Bible reading add some prayer but I don't really want you know Jesus to mess my life up this much conversion to Christ messes your life up and it's supposed to there's no Christ really without a cross Jesus says Take up your cross daily and follow me. And what we see with Saul is not just this understanding of Jesus as Savior; that Jesus is Lord for Saul now. That there is no Jesus is my Savior, but you know I don't want him to get involved in all these other areas of my life. Kind of hands off, right? hands off this area. That that doesn't exist. When you come, when, it, when a person comes to Christ, he he comes to die. He he lay he is laying his life down. I have, Paul says Galatians two twenty. For I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore my life is not my own. The life I live I live not for myself but for Christ. That's what the conversion to Christ is like. We're just chilling. <laughs> so, uh, you know Jesus is both Savior and Lord, and that doesn't necessarily mean we change a ton of the things of our life so if you come to Christ it doesn't mean you stop being a mom or quit your job or you know don't be a wife or a husband or, or a dad I guess I said you're not a mom but you don't stop being a dad
1: <laughs> you know it, it
0: may not change in all of these like real blatant obvious ways but in in another respect it's changed in every way that, that the purposes that you once lived for totally get reoriented into my life is not about myself it is about the glory of God it is about not about how can I get serve me how can I get mine but how can God be made much of how can Christ be honored in my life and when you come to Christ you don't you know we could get into interesting conversation about you know you all know of people who have walked the aisle or made confessions or say, you know, I believe in Jesus or, yeah, do you trust Christ? Yeah, I, I did that in fourth grade at summer camp. I went forward and put my trust in Christ. It's all good. Yet their life ever since then is like, then I'm, you know, I'm not saying we should stay in judgment of people, but at some level we cannot fool ourselves from from thinking that a conversion to Christ is a whole conversion is that he's not just savior and I still live however I want to live and do whatever I want to do there is a real conversion. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Mhm. You know, so Hard
0: we truth. see that with Saul. What's that? Hard truth. Hard. Truth. Yeah. Well, you know, and yes, and the, yeah, I mean, the reality is I'm pointing all my 10 fingers out when I say that, but yeah, absolutely that there is conviction that comes with that that this means that when 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 you have a view of what Christ has accomplished for you when you see that you are, I am not my own, for I was bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. What is that? 1 Corinthians 10, no, 1 Corinthians 7, something like that, where uh, you are not your own, you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God. Um, that changes the avenue. And so you, yeah, you cannot help but look at all these areas of my life where, oh, wait, I'm still really doing this for me. And, and I'm, I'm still really holding on to this. I want Jesus, but you know, I really kind of want my fat bank account. Or, you know, I want, I want Jesus, but I really want to keep this, um, you know, whatever secret over here. And that's not how the gospel works. When, when you come to Christ, you come to die. Who is that? Is that Bonhoeffer? When, man, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Who is that? I don't know. know. That's a quote from somebody. It's not me. When Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. I wish I knew, but I don't. So we we see. I think I'd be a Puritan too. But when we when we see this conversion with Saul, it's a it's a whole conversion. Um. Oh yeah. I'll let you guys. Any questions, thoughts? I got one last thing. But the when when we. start evangelizing, when we start desiring for people to hear the gospel, we need to be ready for whoever walks in the door. And I just think it's a rebuke to, there's a sense in which um, I'd be comfortable with everyone my own age, my own socioeconomic status, my own political views, sitting around this table at Bible study, boy, let's grow this thing up. But the reality is, when you start praying for God to save people, when you start praying for the gospel, to, for God to, to move in the hearts of people, we need to be ready for whoever God brings in the doors. That means Sunday morning, we don't know who's coming through, but if God is doing a work in someone's heart, you need to be ready to let all of your preferences and your animosities and your hatreds die for the sake of this Christian brother or sister. Do you think Ananias was glad that Saul got saved? There's a chance that he's like, "Why not anybody else?" (laughs) But think about the person that you would least—and I I know this is making us confess and admit that we think such things—but you would least like to see come to you and say, "I just heard this about Jesus. Would you tell me more?" And you're not like, "I don't even want to talk to you." (laughs) Be honest with you.
2: (laughs) I want, but yet that's the person I really want. <laughs> I
0: <was> like, <laughs> right, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. this, you know, but there's this rebuke from Ananias and from the saving of Saul that, gosh, if about anybody else came from the door, I'd be glad to talk to them. But this person, this person's harmed me. This person, and are we ready to at that moment when, when this person is, the Holy Spirit is moving in their life and Christ is calling them to themselves to say, this is not about me, this is about someone's eternal hope in Christ. And then we start praying for the gospel to go forward. We start praying for people to get saved. We better be ready that God's going to bring in who he wants to bring in. And we got to say, God, you do the work. You bring him in, and we want to be faithful with whoever you put in front of us. You know, start opening church doors, and who knows who's going to be here on a Sunday morning. And if it's the last person you thought would show up in a church on a Sunday morning that you don't even want to sit by, you better be ready to go to that person and minister the gospel to them. That God is doing a work and who He wants to do a work in. Janna.
1: Oh, I <laughs> oh, Did I say it that way? you
2: not
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Day>. <laughs> Any other? Any other thoughts, questions, guys? Acts chapter nine, Saul and his conversion. Pretty much, that's a fine question, let's see, 10 is Cornelius, 11, 12,
2: oh,
0: I see Paul. He, he would have, he takes, he's 13, he's still Saul, <laughs> oh. now Paul, yeah, 13, 13, oh, yeah. what happens is that Paul starts going into Gentile regions. Saul is a very Hebrew name. Okay. Saul, King Saul. I mean, it's okay. a very Hebrew name. Paul is Greek. Paul has a very Gentile feel to it. So he contextualizes. He, he starts you know going by the name Paul as far as we. Can. So was it his choice I, to change his
3: name, or did God?
0: I don't think we really know. I don't know. No, there's no decree. Stop. There's no like. There's no decree know. like with Abraham where God <laughs> says, Nothing. you're now not Abraham. For Abram, you're Abraham. Or Sarah is now Sarah. Or no. Jacob is now Israel. It
2: is 13. 13, 13? Um, 13, 9. So then Saul he was also called
0: Paul. There you so go. With the Holy Spirit, yep. like so at some point he starts going by Paul instead of Saul, and then it just becomes what he's named is, is Paul. Baby kids. At so yeah, I mean, yes, lots of times in the scriptures, we have people's names that are changed for a very specific reason. Jacob becomes Israel because Jacob means trickster, or supplanter, and Israel means loved by God or something like that. Anyway, this is just his name is changed. It appears to be just because it's a more contextually appropriate name for ministering to the Gentiles. anything else we'll get into 10 which is the conversion of Cornelius a few more chapters of Peter and his work in the book of Acts and then basically from 13 on is going to be all Paul for the next 15 chapters and God's work through him say a prayer and yeah we got six minutes that
2: went by really really fast an hour yeah
0: any special prayer requests tonight that we haven't that we should pray about or share with Joe? Well, I have good news. Want to share.
2: Joe yeah. doesn't have to have surgery now oh, on his hand. Good. the MRI right. was the better. The MRI or? was well. The surgeon looked at it instead of the rheumatologist, and she basically said, "That's why I'm the surgeon, and the rheumatologist is the rheumatologist." But there was just some a lot of bruising and inner trauma, probably from overworking it, and he probably still has a touch of just regular arthritis, yeah. not nothing rheumatoidish. Um, so she gave him a, a nice splint, um, brace and I think just resting it the last couple weeks has really helped. But she sees no reason to cut into his hand and do
0: yeah, anything.
2: So okay. he's going back to work tomorrow.
0: Once you start down that yeah. road, you're kind of like afraid to start yeah. opening stuff up and doing surgeries and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: and it would put him out another six weeks, I'm sure, with recovery, yes. and we don't need that in our house right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my dad hopefully gets his catheter taken out tomorrow. So he goes back up to
0: Des Moines tomorrow. Oh, he's been traveling around with that. He's got a huh? hidden
2: one on his leg. Yes, of course. He went with Joe to <laughs> Des Moines course. today to go to about his... Yeah. So hopefully, it out if out it it looks, everything looks good, he gets it out tomorrow.
0: Ah, oh, okay. okay. It'll be good. Yeah, he can't I wait. Was gonna, I was going <laughs> to talk to him.
2: He's mom. ready. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's ready. <sighs>
0: <sighs> Although, you never have to get him to go to the bathroom.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think that's one of the pros <laughs> yeah. of it for him. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think, yeah, he's done taking care of himself in that way. He's ready to go back to the normal way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. I wasn't cut out to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's sure. like, I don't want to know how all this works. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh.
0: Anything else?
2: This isn't a prayer thing, but did anyone else see where they unearthed the of limestone slab that mm-hmm. Jesus, like, oh, is that not cool? Or what? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's where you allegedly allegedly. I mean, I know that's what I was going to ask. Like, burial like what's tomb the, yeah. Of Christ? It's mm-hmm. the traditional location that they say he was buried
1: yeah, at. Yeah, how would you know? So they built, like, exactly. they built like a little church over it right. everything? Church. Uh, yeah. Church and of the Holy Sepulchre. And it hasn't been
2: supposedly open since 1555 or something. But no, it hasn't. Like, how would you know? How do they know? This? How do you
0: know? Yeah. yeah. Doctum- yeah. Part, doctum- part doctum- of the, problem, the one of the interesting thing mm-hmm. about Christian
2: History. Well, I know that yeah. hit like yeah. the people started yeah. documenting yeah. history, but still, it's mm-hmm. like I don't know. How does that seem like it of
3: Part of the problem with
0: Christianity is that we don't know where Jesus laid because he's not there anymore yeah and so i mean that's kind of one of the you know we never really christened the place where jesus laid because jesus isn't laying in a place I mean, yeah the part that weirds me out about it I'm kind worried. of is that christian they kept calling it christianity's holy most holy sites christianity doesn't have any holy sites yeah we, we don't have any yeah. if, i mean if you're catholic you've got You've got um, certain things you genuflect in front of and whatever, and you can earn merits by um, going and visiting relics. But yeah. Christianity doesn't have holy sites. We don't make pilgrimages. Christ is risen and is ascended at the right hand of the Father, and we scatter throughout the world. and. Where Christ is is where two or three or more are gathered in his name. Mm-hmm. This is a holy site.
2: It just felt right so here. commercial when I looked at it, too, because then it shows the place, and then just people lined, you know, around oh, yes. the building with their cameras yeah, or see, their kids, a... like, pointing at stuff. Oh, my gosh. Are they worshiping? Not really, yeah. what are, they really what are they worshiping. They're, yeah. yeah. they're tourists, yes. is what they are. You yeah. know, and, and, it's
0: weird. And, um. and when it gets to these weird holy sites, I mean, I'd love to go to Jerusalem, walk the Via Dolorosa yeah. where Christ, you know, walked on the way to the cross and those sorts of things. It'd be cool to see Nazareth, you know, the Dead Sea sure.
2: Yeah. I
0: don't know that I'd go so far as call them holy sites. That just feels yeah. kind of awkward to me. They're historical. That my Savior's yeah. not there. He's my my Savior's not dead. He didn't like once walk here. He's alive. Mm-hmm. He's right now living. The holy site is where two or three gathered, and with him, you know. So I that's. But I think it's cool archaeologically.
2: Yeah. I just was curious what everyone else I, thought. I just don't was, know that. It still I, rubbed me kind of like cool, but.
0: It's like saying that this is the site where he was crucified, yeah. supposedly so far away from this inside yeah. the same building. But I've heard things he was crucified at this other place, mm-hmm. on Golgotha, the mm-hmm. place of the skull. There's a mountain, looks kind of like a skull, and close I'm to get him. And I'm sure
2: there were several locations that. His body was laid and rested and moved and to you yeah. know to get him to where they finally put him in the tomb. Right. It's
0: like the shroud of Turin thing. Did yeah. you guys ever get in on that? They thought this is the cloth that covered the face uh, of Jesus. Yeah, And yeah, they pulled it yeah. off and it had this magical imprint. It was totally a hoax. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Catholic Church has got relics. They've got like yeah. a bone of Jesus or something. And a, right. A, something from Peter <laughs> you know, and all kinds of crazy stuff.
3: What well, my husband's family is very strict Catholic. A, oh, okay. He is not a That's helpful. Anymore, information. Oh anymore. He, since dating me we get into a whole bunch of that. that. his dad like wasn't gonna come to our wedding. It was a big deal. But,
0: well I know that's such yeah. a big deal. Um
3: <laughs> but I, we his grandpa was a big disciple in the church and um stepped down and one thing that I noticed when we went to that was that in the middle of the church, like right behind where the preacher stands, there's a big like replica of Jesus hanging on the cross. Yeah I and I and I just thought like That's not where he is anymore. You know, like, that's not... Yeah. Like, are they worshipping Jesus on the cross? Because, like, yeah, that's what he did, but that's not...
0: Yeah.
3: I just didn't agree with it, but...
0: Catholics have got bigger issues in their crucifixes. (laughs) I think they're kind of weird, too, but... Yeah. We could do a whole few weeks on Catholicism and whatnot, but, yeah, it's...
3: It's uh, it's an issue that... Not with him, because you guys don't even know him, but, like, it's... He's Christian, but... And Catholics are Christian, but, like it comes up a lot like the the fact that he he went to catholic school when he was a kid and like yeah. you know the fact that it was ingrained in him basically yeah. to do as I say not as I do <laughs> kind right. of like
0: did you baptize your up. baby? no he didn't no. care about that?
3: Mm-mm, he wow. got baptized in our church oh okay uh, before we were even married yeah. like we're we're going right. to church with me like before we he's yeah. <laughs> <That is> cool he can alright well, I mean,
0: you know, that's the big—that's a big deal. I mean, yeah. Yeah. and that's why they would have almost rejected your marriage probably they as did. well, because yeah. if you're not getting Catholic married, you aren't really married in mm-hmm. the did. Catholic Church. But uh,
3: we didn't get married.
2: Uh-huh. In so I have a hard problem with Catholicism. Yeah, it's not. I don't have the thing the
0: church, like. Catholicism okay. for what it is like Vatican II liberal Catholicism which is just joined with the Lutheran church in Germany and what some big thing of unity they joined with the liberal Lutheran church and the liberal Catholic it's real Catholicism fundamentalist Catholicism which would be I would call the historic good if you could say Catholicism is good there we have got a button heads and that was all of our six minutes gone. All right, I'll say a prayer. We'll get out of here. God, I thank you for the chance again to, to be here tonight and look into your word. I thank you that no one is beyond the reach of your grace. And I thank you that none of us sits around these tables tonight beyond the reach of your grace. And it is a huge comfort and joy to our hearts that we can humble ourselves before you. We can be knocked down low and laid out before you, knowing that the gospel is close, that you are close to the brokenhearted. And the gospel is the message given just for people laid low by the reality of their sinfulness, their failure, and their shortcomings. And we thank you for this good news. And God, may it it truly take root in our hearts, draw us near to you, and give us fullness of joy in you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.